take your Bibles out and turn to Luke chapter 15 within God's Word this morning. I hope and pray you have a sermon study guide and uh, follow along with me, fill in the blanks. If you like to, you don't have to. But if it helps you in following the, the, the message, uh, following the notes, I invite you to, to do so this morning. And again, we greet you in the name of Jesus. It's great to be back in the preaching saddle. Last week we had a special guest. The week before that was Homecoming Sunday, and we had more of an uh, illustrated message and back in the preaching saddle after now three weeks of, uh, of being out of the uh, traditional role of preaching. And I thought, I need some help in beginning uh, a new message series that I'm starting this morning. I need some help in uh, getting back into the preaching saddle and uh, launching this uh, first sermon, this first message uh, of October. And so I called upon our, our brand new uh, pastoral intern, our uh, Pastor Ben, our, our middle school pastor, and asked him to come out here and, and give me a hand. And, and starting off... We'll come on down here to the first step here, uh, Pastor Ben, and uh, I, I need some help in, in, in starting off this message series. I have never, in, in uh, all my years of pastoring and preaching, I've never done a series on this before, and I just really feel led to do this brand new message series with this great church family. And because of its theme, uh, I, I thought that we'd give them a little taste of some of your talents. And Pastor Ben works with our middle school, fifth grade through eighth grade, our middle school young people. And uh, that's our focus through his ministry. And uh, he's gifted with so many talents. Let me show you one of them right now. Go ahead, Pastor Ben. I might need two hands for this, but what color shirt am I wearing? Red. All right, sometimes things can be deceptive. Because in all actuality, I'm not wearing a red shirt at all. I might be wearing a different red shirt. But there's no red shirt whatsoever, so... I don't know. <laughs> Good job. Give him a hand. I like it. Real good. Now, I don't, I don't want any emails from some super spiritual saint out there saying that I'm promoting magic. That was not magic at all. That uh, was what we call a gospel illusion. That was a trick. That was deception. 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 You know, when people talk about Bible prophecy, the end times, the signs of the times, oh, so many get caught up with earthquake, famine, nuclear wars, holocaust, pestilence. That's not the number one chief end time sign. When you look at the Jesus prophecies, the number one end time sign, none of those things. The number one 
end time sign, deception. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 4, take heed that no one deceives you. And who's the author of deception? Satan. He's known not only as the author of confusion, Jesus called him the father of lies. Yes. I'm convinced we're the most deceived generation in all human history. You know, we wonder why uh, teens, young adults, are turning their backs uh, on God in record numbers. We wonder why our generation divorces five times the rate of our parents. We wonder why the fundamental principles of democracy uh, that shaped our nation are being so terribly eroded. We wonder why it's our generation that has chosen to abort a million and a half unborn children year after year after year, making life so cheap. But it's almost a weekly basis that there's a school shooting or a workplace shooting. It's become, sad to say, tragically, commonplace. Why? On all of these things, why is it that Governor Jerry Brown in California and the State Assembly has just signed into law, has just passed a measure that if a boy really thinks he's more of a girl, a boy can now go into the girls' restroom or vice versa can happen? Why? Because we're the most deceived generation to ever walk across the pages of human history. We've embraced a lie. We've embraced the father of lies. Today I launch a new message series called Deceived. We're going to be looking at self-deception. We're going to be looking at deception in the marriage and in the home. We're going to be looking at deception in our government. Don't you know there's a lot there? We're going to be looking at the worst deception of all, spiritual deception. Spiritual deception. I hope you'll hang with me throughout this month of October as uh, I'm focusing in on this teaching, preaching uh, series. Jesus said in John 8, verse 31, If you will hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Truth is far more than a philosophical concept or abstract. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. If you want to know truth, if you can handle the truth, then know Jesus. Know Jesus. Jesus' greatest story, and Jesus gave a lot of stories in the Gospels. Jesus was the master storyteller. His greatest story on this issue of deception is a story that many of us know as the prodigal son in Luke 15 but really it's about two sons and they're both lost pray with me this morning as we get ready to preach a message that I've entitled this morning welcome to hog heaven the hog heaven deception. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to hearts, speak to minds, speak to souls this morning. Lord, we want to hear from you. Grant us ears to hear, hearts to receive. In the name of Jesus, amen. 
Amen. Amen. If you're following along with me, take out your sermon study guide, and let's look at a boy's descent, the younger son's destructive descent through self-deception. Luke 15, verse 11, read with me. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Mark it down. The younger son's downward spiral into a living nightmare began with the self-deception of the give-me attitude. The give-me attitude. Can you say those two words with me? Give-me. Say it again. Give-me. Now say it like you mean it. Give-me. Have you ever heard those two words before? Mom and dad? <laughs> You, you know, parent, parent, let me speak to parents right now. The teen years are really a blessing. They are. If God did not give you the teen years, you'd never be able to say goodbye. If you went straight from the childhood years, those darling little children that need you and bless you and love you up so much, if you went straight from the childhood years to the empty nest years, it would break your heart. But God gives you the teen years so you can let go so much easier. Oh, yeah. Pastor loves you, young people, by the way. They, they don't out there, but pastor does. Pastor does. <laughs> give me. I want it now. Give me. Oh, we've all heard it. Think of it. When it came to money... This son didn't want to earn it. He didn't want to work for it. He didn't want to sweat for it. He wanted it now. When it came to his father's hard-earned money, his father's inheritance, he didn't want to wait for his father to die. He wanted it now. He, he believed the lie that money would answer all of his problems. Money would bring him all the happiness that he ever wanted. Uh, and a few days later, the Bible says this son, he packed all of his belongings together. It was the last time he got it all together. And he traveled to a far and a distant country. He left home, the Bible says, for that distant land. He was sick of home. But don't you know, Real soon, he would be homesick. He started off with a greedy, selfish, smart-aleck attitude. Daddy-o! Real soon, he would be saying, Oh, Daddy. He went to this distant land. And once there, the Bible says, he spent all of his father's hard-earned money on pleasure. Oh, I can just see him. He went out right away and he ordered, he bought a 2014 C7 Corvette Stingray convertible, seven-speed transmission, magnetic selective ride control, 460 horsepower, zero to 60 in 3.8 seconds. 1,000-watt amp, two 15-inch subwoofers, thunder 6,000s. We're talking about boom, 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 boom. As he's going down the street, 
he's booming with hits by Rihanna and Justin Bieber, Lil Wayne, Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, Eminem. <laughs> oh, he's having a good old time. We can imagine him gambling away all of his father's money at the casino. And of course, he's drinking up. He's shooting up. He's snorting up. Uh, he wanted to satisfy every desire, every physical appetite, every sexual urge. Back home, <laughs> there, there was Bible reading and prayer and, and devotions. Here, girls gone wild. Uh, internet porn, hookers. Uh, back home, uh, family and church and education and, and working at a, at a job. Here, getting high, party hardy, making love. But just when his money ran out, and mark my words, when the money runs out, the friends run out. And far worse than the Great Recession, far worse than a Great Depression, the Bible says a famine hit. We have no conception in America of what an ancient famine was like. Starving. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And what did the farmer order him to do? To feed what? To feed pigs. Now, you need to understand the cultural context of Luke chapter 15. To understand the stories that Jesus told, to understand the parables that Jesus ministered in, you need to also understand not, at, not only the message and the messenger, you need to also analyze the audience. Who is the audience that Jesus is speaking to? What is their nationality? Jewish. So when Jesus said that the prince who has become a pauper has now become a pig feeder, how did his Jewish kosher audience react? It's with shame. It's with disgust. This is the worst of the worst of the worst for anyone to be relegated to. I want to remind you that for Jews, Orthodox Jews, pork, pigs are unclean. They are a defilement. The audience reacts with disgust. The sun has gone from the palace to the pig pen. He's gone from being a prince to becoming a pig feeder. His give me, self-centered attitude, his selfishness has not only deceived him, it's turned him into a fool. A fool. When you go home today, uh, or when you ever get a chance, you want to have a good laugh, Google, Google uh, robbers with low IQs. Google robbers, thieves with low IQs. I'm talking about the guy, the robber, who wrote his demand note on the back of an envelope that bears his name and address. I'm talking about the thief, the thief that put a hefty bag 
uh, as a face mask over his head and then he realized when he was holding up the store that he forgot to cut the holes in it. I'm talking about the cash machine robbers who when they tried to pull a cash machine out of a bank, it, they didn't pull it, it pulled them. It took their bumper off, including their license plate. Police found them immediately. I'm talking about the robber who stood in the police lineup. And when the detectives asked each man in the lineup to repeat the words, give me all of your money or I'll shoot, the man shouted, that's not how I said it. <laughs> I'm talking about the... Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about the California bank robber uh, that uh, wasn't uh, carrying a weapon. He used, you know, he used his thumb and, and, and his index finger. Uh, but the only thing was that when he used his thumb and, and, and index finger to look like a gun, he forgot to put his thumb and, and uh, his index finger in his pocket. <laughs> Hello? But my favorite one, when you Google uh, bank robbers, when you, when you Google thieves with low IQs, my, my favorite one is the guy that couldn't find a mask to put over his head. He couldn't find a mask, so he used his underwear boxers as a mask. <laughs> now, whether it's the lost son in Luke 15... <laughs> or a convenience store robber, there is a profound theological principle that I want to convey to you. Here it is. Sin will make you stupid. <laughs> Sin will make you stupid. Stupid. Luke 15, verse 16. Look at verse 16. The prodigal son, this younger son, this lost son, he longed to fill his stomach with what? Pig food. But nobody would give him anything. The pigs were fed, but he's starving to death. He's treated worse than an animal. He's become less than an animal. Do you know of any people in society that do things that animals themselves would not do? Write it down. Our world is filled with people just like the lost son whose lives are being destroyed by self-deception. Like the lost son, our culture has been ruined by the lie that money can buy happiness. We work our fingers to the bone to get rich, to have enough for retirement, to be happy. We work our fingers to the bone, and what do we end up with? Bony fingers. We spend our last dime on the lottery. Why? To be happy. People con constantly populate the casinos. What kind of people? Have you ever taken a shortcut through a casino? Of course, you have not participated there. Ever walked through a casino? I have. Populated by the poor, not the smart, 
not the smug, not the cultured, not the sophisticated, by the poor. Casinos, gambling, preys upon the poor who have this get-rich-quick mentality. And it never happens. They just get poor. It is stated that one in five pathological gamblers attempts suicide, a rate higher than for any other addictive disorder. Think of the lies. Think of the hog heaven deceptions that our society has propagated. Our culture has spread the lie that, that real success, that uh, young people, young adults, if you're a real success, you'll make lots and lots and lots and lots of money. That's what being a real success is all about. Hey, would you agree with me? Money can buy a palace filled with the finest of furnishings, but money can't buy a home filled with love. Money can buy the finest doctors, but it can't buy you health. Money can buy you a solid gold bed, but it can't buy you one minute of peace. Money can, can make you popular and surround you with people, but money can't buy you one true friend. Money can, can buy you a gold crucifix that you hang around your neck, but it can't buy you a savior in your heart. Come on, wake up. Do not be deceived. We know how to preach it, but do we practice it? Money cannot buy us happiness. 1 Timothy chapter 6, for the love of money. The love of money is the first step toward all kinds of sin. Some people have even turned away from God because of their love for it. As a result, they've pierced themselves with many sorrows. Like the lost son, countless lives are deceived by sensuality. The lie is this. Here it is. Here's the lie. Real happiness is gratifying, satisfying your every sexual, physical urge and appetite. It's buying into the enemy's one-liners. You've heard some of his one-liners, haven't you? The devil's one-liners. If it feels good, how could it be so wrong when it feels so all the real popular people are into it. Everybody's doing. Oh, no, they're not. No, they're not. There's still young men and women. There's still adult moms and dads. There's still granddads and grandmas that are standing up and being counted for righteousness and being holy unto God. And it's the best way of living. There's no regrets. No regrets. No regrets. Holiness is healthiness. Holiness is happiness. Some have taken Satan's bait on smoking. Look on the screen. Cigarette smoking kills an estimated 450,000 Americans each year. More than alcohol, cocaine, heroin, homicide, suicide, car accidents, fire, and AIDS combined. If you're a smoker, my heart goes out to you. I don't preach in condemnation to you. Come to Jesus. He's still the lion of the tribe of Judah who breaks every chain. 
He can break that habit in your body. He can break that in your life. He'll set you free. He's in the miracle business. You need to be set free before it's too late. Some think they can drink their problems away. Some think peace is found in the bottom of a bottle. The average alcoholic dies 26, 26, 26 years earlier than he or she would otherwise. How so? Why? How could this happen? Hog heaven deception. The pig pen is sold as a lie. We're told that the pig pen is a hog heaven, a hog paradise. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's not just smoking. It's not just drinking. Others abuse drugs and other substances. Look on the screen. The physiological consequences of drug abuse are numerous. Cardiovascular disease, stroke, cancer, HIV, AIDS, hepatitis, lung disease, and some of these effects may occur after, 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 after just one use. Young men and women, I can't tell you how many times I have sat across the counseling table, and I have looked in the haunted eyes of a young person, a young adult, and they have looked at me in the eye, and they have said, I took it just once! I slept uh, with that other person. I committed sexual immorality just once! Just once I smoked it. Just once I took it. They told me it'd be like heaven, but now I'm in hell. Preacher, you're getting over, overly dramatic. You need to sit where I have to sit. You need to hear the stories that I have to hear. You ought to get involved in damage control and see and see how Satan, like a fisherman of souls, has baited and tricked and deceived and hooked Life after life, marriage after marriage, family after family, ruined, destroyed. All because somebody believed a lie. Oh no, it's not a pig pen. It's a hog heaven. This hog heaven will make me feel better about myself. This hog heaven will let me forget my troubles for a while. This hog heaven is what I need if it feels good. I'm going to do it. I'm talking about hog heaven. Wake up, wake up, wake up. It's a pig pen with pig manure and mud and stench. And your sin is making you stupid. Wake up. Wake up! Wake up! God is not deceived. He is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Oh, wake up! You're going the wrong way. It's not a hog heaven. You're being deceived. Wake up! Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Did you realize that there's a connection between witchcraft, the occult, and drug abuse, drug addiction? The Greek word for sorcery or witchcraft 
is the Greek word pharmakeia. From this Greek word pharmakeia, we get our English word what? Satan uses drug abuse as a way to tear down nations, homes, marriages, lives. Luke chapter 15 reveals that the lost son spent most, most, most of his money on sexual immorality. My generation, the 60s generation, the 70s generation, we were called the free love generation. Remember the hippies? The free love generation. The sexual revolution. We don't need any marriage license. We don't need any piece of paper to tell us that our love is real. Our generation propounded. We'll just sleep together. We'll just live together. Then if we don't get along, then we'll sleep with other people. We'll live with other people. We're talking about real love. Oh, yes? What did the free love generation bring us? In 1960, only two sexually transmitted diseases. Today, there's over 55. We divorce five times the rate of our parents. It's, it's our generation more than any other that, that has become addicted to pornography. It's, pr it's a proven fact that pornography is as addictive as alcohol, as drugs, or gambling. It's been determined that 77% of all rapists have acted out their behavior that originated from pornography. What have we discovered? That free love carries an awful, hefty price tag. Free love is not free. I said free love is not free. Now a new generation. The children of the free love generation. A new generation is declaring that there are no absolute rights and there are no absolute wrongs. There is no God, they say. We are gods. Look within and find the Savior. Find the Christ. Find the God that is you. Within. We make the rules. The unborn are nothing but fetal tissue. There's nothing wrong with premarital sex, adultery. Everybody's doing it. Being gay is okay. Oh, no, it's not. That's why God gave us a story, a narrative, a true account about Sodom and about Gomorrah. And if God does not judge these United States of America for our rebellion... And I'm getting way ahead of myself in the series. He will, he will, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. But hear me in this. Judgment is surely coming. Unless we turn around. Unless we repent. What has free love gotten us? A generation riddled with AIDS, unprecedented divorce rates, dysfunctional homes, and an abortion holocaust. Write it down. There's an abundant supply of hog heaven deceptions around in this world. I'll never forget the time we were driving by a local Shelby Township bar, a tavern with a marquee sign. And all of a sudden from the back seat of our car, my, my kids who were little at the time, they said, Daddy! I said, What? 
What's happy hour? I smiled and I said, that's where a bunch of drunks get together and cry on one another's shoulders. Most miserable people on the planet. The happiest people on the planet when God's people get together and lift up their hands unto Him who is our Savior, our Lord, the lover of our soul. For in His presence there is fullness of joy. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm talking about Jesus' joy. Jesus' joy. Hallelujah. Meth. Meth is candy coated with deception. Meth. One of the newest drugs on the market this last generation. Sure, it'll give an unreal high for 8 to 24 hours. Sure, it'll make you feel like you're in heaven. But then there's the hallucinations, the paranoia, the fatal kidney failure. And after just one use, one use, you're hooked. And heaven then becomes a literal hell. Ever wonder, I, I wish I could go back 2,000 years ago and take a picture of the, the prince who became a pauper who then became a pig feeder. I wish I could have a before and after picture of the prodigal son. We do. You can Google. It'll tear your heart out. It'll tear your heart out. You can Google the before and after pictures of meth addicts. You ever seen them? I have a few this morning I want to show you. The before and the after. Some of these are just six months, nine months afterwards. All of these are less than a year. Less than a year. Second one. Sin, it makes you stupid. The next one. When I see that girl's face on the after, my heart is just torn out. You can take him off. The before and the after. You see, the Bible, the Bible is very clear that the enemy, he hates us so much. He not only wants you hooked, he not only wants to kill you, he wants to destroy you in a living hell. And that hell does not begin necessarily after you die. Going ahead and examine the hog heavens of this world. Look at the customers. Like these meth addicts that we just reviewed. Look at their empty faces, their empty eyes. Believe me, there is no satisfaction in hell's pig food. Every hog heaven, every hog heaven is dressed up with a lie. They'll tell you that's where the most popular people gather. They'll tell you, if you really want to party, go to the hog heavens. These are the things to do. These are the places to go. These are the, the, the in crowd. But it's really a pig pen. They didn't tell you. 
They didn't tell you that the hog heaven has a, a, a sweaty smell. They, they didn't tell you about the stale manure and the mud odor that riddles it. They didn't tell you about the addiction, the heartbreaking, ruined lives, ruined marriages, ruined families. They didn't tell you about the utter hopelessness. Listen, listen, my dear Lakeside family. Listen to our dear guests this morning. Listen to you that are viewing this on video. God, God, God did not purpose you for the pig pen. God desperately loves you. You were born for a better way than coughing, spitting, and throwing up. You were born for a better purpose than, than sniffing, than injecting or snorting. You were born for a better use for your body than to fill it with, with VD or herpes or AIDS. You were destined not to play the part of a fool. You were destined to be a choice servant of a most high God. You were destined to be a prince and not a pauper. You were destined to be a child of the king. Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 10, Jesus said the thief, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. Are you enjoying abundant life? Abundant living? Abundant life is not a list of rules. Abundant living is not a, a list of do's and don'ts. If God has given us any commandments, and He has, they are for our health. They are for our happiness. They are for our protection. They are for our joy. Holiness is happiness. Holiness brings health. Uh, holiness will give you, hallelujah, a new tomorrow, a great future in Jesus. Abundant living. Abundant living. You were purposed to square your shoulders and lift your head up high and have a God confidence, knowing that you're not a nobody, but you're a somebody in Christ Jesus. Not because of who you are, but because of whose you are in Him. Write it down. While the enemy, the enemy of your soul desires to destroy you, your Lord offers you the abundant life. The abundant life. Again, you're not ordinary. You're special. Think of it. Whether you're a saint or a sinner here this morning, despite what you think or believe, you cannot change the fact you have been created in the image of God. Go ahead. If you want to live with the attitude that uh, you are your monkey's uncle, that you squiggled and wiggled out of some primeval soup uh, to, to, to climb up a tree and then one day decide to walk on two legs, go ahead if you want to believe that. But as for me and my house, we know where we came from. We know why we're here. And we know where we're going. Hallelujah. We are special in Christ Jesus. We have a purpose in living. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And we know where we're going. Oh, let not your heart be troubled. Jesus said, you believe in God? Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go there to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Glory to God. What a great future you and I have. Amen. Amen.
Don't believe a lie. Don't be deceived. Don't subscribe to the hog heavens of this life. You are so special. It doesn't matter if you're a saint or a sinner. It does not change the fact that according to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you are not your own. You have been bought at a price. You are so special. God did not purchase you with gold or silver. You are so special. He did not pull out his credit card and, and, and say, charge, and put it to Visa or MasterCard. You are so priceless. You are so special. Again, whether you are an unbeliever or a believer, you are so special that you have been redeemed, not by an angel, but by the very Son of God, Christ Jesus, who shed His blood and was tortured upon a cross because only Jesus, only the blood of the Son of God could save your soul. The stakes were so high. The battle was so fierce. It took the blood of the Son of God shed at Calvary to wash away your sins. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood. Oh, precious is the flow that makes us white as snow. Nothing, nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. It wasn't a philosophical idea. It was not a social doctrine. It was not an angel. It was the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God, Christ Jesus himself, who came down from heaven, down to earth, and upon the cross cried out, It is finished! And in that moment, he paid for the forgiveness, the redemption, the reconciliation, of every soul ever birth born upon planet earth. The question is this. Have you accepted the pardon of Calvary? Have you accepted the forgiveness and the grace of God? You've already been forgiven, but that forgiveness will not come into play until you place your faith into the one who who said, I love you with an everlasting love. I forgive you. It is possible for the governor of a state to forgive a prisoner on death row and pardon that prisoner from going to the electric chair to capital punishment. But if the one on death row refuses the pardon, it cannot be forced upon them. Don't think that just Christians were forgiven at Calvary. Everyone was forgiving at Calvary. The issue is, by faith have you received that forgiveness. I declare to you upon the authority of God's word this morning, you are forgiven. You are redeemed. You this morning have had your sins already paid for at Calvary. Have you accepted that? Have you received and believed that this morning? That's the difference. Luke chapter 15, verse 17. 
Luke 15, verse 17, one morning this lost son finally realized he's in a pig pen. He's in, his hog heaven is a pig pen. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I've stared long enough into the face of a hog. I've sinned. I'm a sinner. I'm going home. I've often wondered what it would have been like if when this lost son who was in the pig pen, what would have transpired if an educator came walking by? Hey, young man. Cheer up. I'm going to send you some online courses where you can really learn how to be a pig farmer. I've often wondered uh, what would have happened if a politician came walking by. Don't be discouraged, young man. Uh, I'm going to legislate. Uh, I'm going to pass a bill for better working conditions for you. I've wondered if, uh, what would have happened if a therapist came walking by. Oh, don't be discouraged, sir. <laughs> Think positive thoughts. I'm okay. You're okay. We're all okay. Don't look at the cup half empty. Look at it half full. Or if a new ager, you know, a new ager came walking by that subscribed to reincarnation. Hey, buddy, you better be good to those pigs because you never know. You might come back like one of them. But if Jesus came walking by, son, let's get out of here right now and walk with me. Let me take you home. Oh, come on, get excited. I said Jesus would get him out of there and take him home. Let's go home. Let's go back to the Father. And there are some souls here this morning. That's what Jesus is calling to you. You've been deceived. You thought it was hog heaven. And you're all of a sudden realize you're sitting in a pig pen. Lift up your eyes. Jesus is calling. And he's saying, let's go home. I've already paid the price. <laughs> I've already paid the price to bring you back to the Father. Let's go home. Now, perhaps you're sitting here this morning, you're patting yourself on the back. You know, I'm in the clear. Hey, I've got a good life. Come to church. I'm a member, card-carrying member of, of Lakeside Assembly of God. Uh, uh, I, I lift my hands in praise and worship. I'm involved in ministry. I... You know, I, I don't smoke, I, I don't drink, I don't sniff glue, and I don't run around with gals that do. I'm a pretty good person. That's the punchline of Jesus' story. That's who he was really talking to. You and me who think that by our own good works, we're doing pretty good. We've got God's attention. We're pleasing God by our own self-righteousness. We're not like those other people. 
those losers, those sinners. Jesus, his story was not necessarily about the lost son as much it was about the other son. Oh, we got to look at his story real quick as I begin to wrap up. The older son, Luke 15, reveals two lost sons. The younger who ended up in a pig pen. The older who grudgingly stayed at home living a miserable life. How did the older brother respond when he heard that his father returned home? How did he respond? Was he all excited and said, praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm going to rejoice. My, 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 my brother that was dead is now alive. My brother which was lost is now found. Is that how he responded? Oh, read with me in verse 25. So his father went out and pleaded with the older brother. But the older brother answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Notice the word slaving. And never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. What did the father say? My son, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and we had to be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Oh, mark it down. Here we discover the older son was more lost. He was more lost, more lost than his younger brother because he suffered the worst deception of all. What's the worst deception of all? He's a hypocrite. He's double-minded. He goes through the motions of religiosity. He looks like a Christian. He sounds like a Christian. He even smells like a Christian. But he's desperately wicked in his heart. He's angry. Any of you have an angry problem? Oh, preacher, I'm, I'm German. I have a short fuse. No, you're a sinner. Jesus said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Let's... The devil gained a foothold in your life. Your anger is opening the door of your life for the devil, Satan, to come in and have his way. Would you go home tonight and leave the front door of your house wide open while you go to sleep? Pastor, that's stupid. Then why are you keeping the front door of your life open for the prince of darkness? This older brother is a hypocrite because he has an unforgiving, critical, judgmental spirit. Jesus said, freely you have received. Freely give. I've had people look at me across the counseling table and look me in the eye and say, Pastor, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. And I've looked them right back in the eye and I've said, then I hope you'll never sin because God has forgiven you 
And he has put all of your sins out of his remembrance. He has forgotten them. The Bible says that he has separated your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. That's infinity. It's under the blood. It's remembered no more. It's impossible for God to remember sins that have been forgiven. Hallelujah. And when you, when you, when you choose to hold on to unforgiveness, when you choose not to truly forgive, you're setting yourself up to be greater than God. And that's idolatry, that's blasphemy, that's satanic. You are deceived. You're, you're in a hog heaven of your own making. This older son is not serving his father out of devotion. He's serving him out of duty, what he can get out of his father. There are some who come to church, there's some that even tithe. Based upon the motivation, they have learned that God brings blessings on those that tithe. God brings blessings upon those who adopt the Christian lifestyle. We eat healthy, we live healthy, we have healthy marriages, healthy families, but their heart is far from God. My granddad used to preach a message, you can miss heaven by 17 inches. What? The average distance between your head and your heart is 17 inches. We've got people that sit in our pews every Sunday. They know, they know, they know all of our beliefs. They know what the Bible says. They know when to lift up their hands. They know how to sing our songs. They know how to go all through the motions that we go through. And people look at them and say, Oh, surely they must be a Christian. But God does not look on the outward appearance. He sees the heart. And He knows when the heart is away from him. He knows when the heart is filled with hypocrisy. He knows when a heart, when a life is double-minded. One foot in the world, one foot in the church. And if there's anything that stinks to high heaven with God, it's hypocrisy. The church at Laodicea, they in fact are the last words of Jesus in Revelation chapter 3. Many of you know this familiar passage where Jesus comes knocking on the door of the church of Laodicea. And the church of Laodicea says, we're blessed. We're increased with goods. We have much gold. We've got to help Happy church, a healthy church. We are in need of nothing. Those are the exact words from Revelation chapter 3. But Jesus says, Know you not that you are wretched, you are poor, you are miserable, and you are naked, and you are blind. Seek of me counsel that I may give you eye salves that you may see, that I may give you gold and white raiment so you might not be naked. I would rather have you hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I would spew you out of my mouth. That's how the Lord feels about hypocrisy. But he does not say that judgmentally like I just preached it. 
Because verse 16 says, Behold, these are the words of Jesus, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone would hear my voice, I will come in unto him and I will fellowship with him and he with me. There's hope even for us hypocrites. God help you if you're looking at the meth addict, if you're looking at the boozer, and you're looking at the loser, and you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Are you? Are you sold out and radical for Jesus Christ? Do you have a heart knowledge of him as well as a head knowledge? It's not enough to know the beliefs. Are you practicing them? The high point of the story. The high point of the story is neither son. The focus of the entire story that Jesus gave is right there in Luke 15, verse 20. The high point of Jesus' story doesn't concern the sons, but the father. The father. Do you remember what happened when the lost son, the pig feeder son, the one who had been a prince and is now a pauper as he returns home? The Bible says as he's walking home, what happens? I love it. It's my favorite verse in the Bible. And the prodigal son arose and came to his father. And when the prodigal son was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That means any time I make a move towards God, how does God respond? Huh? Does God say, here, come up and kiss my ring? No, we have a picture here that God had been looking. God had been watching. God had been scanning the horizon this entire time. And God had been seeking. And he saw the prodigal son a long ways off. And when he saw him, even though the son was walking, the father hitched up his robe and he is running. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God loves us that much. He's just looking for you to make a move to Him. Will you make a move towards the Lord this morning? Would you just turn towards Him? Would you just uh, focus on Him? Would you cry out to Him? Uh, I don't know what your issue is. I don't know what your problem is. I do know this. He knows you better than you know yourself. And if you'll turn to Him... If you'll return home, if you'll come home, if you'll come home, if you'll come home, there is restoration. Glory to God. The Father kissed the Son. And the, the Bible says, the Father said, bring a robe, <laughs> a brand new suit of clothes. Bring it right now for those smelly tatters that are upon Him. <laughs> Give Him a brand new robe. When God saves you, He puts upon you a robe of righteousness. That means God's approval. That it smacks of nothing of your good works or your good words or your good intentions. Do you know that when you come to Jesus and ask Jesus to be Jesus in you, that God sees not your sins, He doesn't see your faults, He doesn't even see your good works. What does God see? He sees Jesus all over you. 
And when he sees Jesus all over you, God is able to say, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased. Hallelujah. The father said, bring shoes uh, upon his feet uh, for the road ahead. God wants to walk with you in the road ahead. He wants to give you a grand destiny in him. He wants to be with you no matter where you go. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And then the father said, put a ring upon his finger. Put a ring. That was better than having Visa, MasterCard all combined. That was the credit card of that day and time. That meant that the son was fully restored to royalty, becoming a prince once again. Hallelujah. It meant he's special. It meant that he's no longer ordinary. He's not a loser, but he's a king's kid. Hallelujah. Chosen. Adopted back into the family of God. How about it this morning? The father said, This is my son who was lost and is now found. Dead, but now alive. Isn't it about time that you come home? Father, I ask and pray this morning in the name of Jesus. Oh, come, sweet Holy Spirit. Knock upon our heart's doors. Call to us. Lord, love us this morning to your cross, the cross of Calvary. Lord Jesus, I'm keenly aware that in any given church service, there are those that have been deceived into a hog heaven. Some, it's a hog heaven that's of their own making through their own appetites, their own addictions. Some, it's a hog heaven of hypocrisy. And Lord, you are here this morning to bring us freedom, wholeness, health. You're here to bring us this morning salvation. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. How about it? How about it? At this moment, right now, if you were to stand before God, why should He let you into His heaven? Do you know that you know that you know for sure you're right with Him? Do you know for certainty that you have a home in heaven? Or perhaps this morning you have felt that, that gentle knock upon your heart's door that you have not totally sold yourself out to Jesus. Isn't it time you come home? I'm going to pray a prayer, a prayer of salvation. And if you would like to be included in this prayer, I guarantee you that if you will put your faith into this prayer, I guarantee you, you'll come home to Jesus. You'll have a home in heaven. You'll be right with God. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. This has nothing to do with church membership. This has everything to do with coming home.
to Jesus. How many, how many, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed here this morning, how many with an uplifted hand would say, Pastor, Pastor, include me in your prayer of salvation. Include me. Lift it up high so that I can see it this morning. This is a sign of your faith. Lift it up high this morning. How many, how many, you're lifting it up for Jesus. How many, lift it up for Him this morning. Thank you. God bless you. I see that hand. More importantly, God sees that hand. God bless you. Lift it up high this morning. Wave it at me. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, thank you. She's waving it at me. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. How many more? I'm not sure I'm right with God. I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. But I want to be sure, Pastor. Include me in that prayer. How many more? I just ask a few more times. Don't put off for tomorrow which should be done in this moment. Tomorrow may never come. Lift up, lift up, lift up that hand right now as we pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Your hand upraised speaks of your faith in Christ Jesus. I want everyone to pray this prayer, especially you with your hand lifted up. Put your heart into what you're about to pray. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now just as I am. And I confess I've sinned. I'm a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me from my sin. I believe you paid the price for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life, a changed life. Jesus, thank you for hearing me. Thank you for washing my sins away. Thank you for calling me home. Thank you, Jesus, that I am born again. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. And amen.